Welcome to Fiction to Function. I'm Sean Melton. I'm Seth Melton. And I'm William Michael. And I'm Sean Melton, here again to let you know that that last terribly sounding name that you heard was our friend William Eichelroth, and we had to re-record uh, his name introduction, yeah. introduction through uh, off, off speakerphone because the first three minutes of this podcast got deleted, and re-piecing uh, it together has been a nightmare. So back to the episode, I guess. And we're here... Uh, in the next step of uh, the series we've kind of been going through where we get to talk to our friends about our relationship with them, their relationship to fiction, and how that's played uh, an important role in our lives. Will is one of our oldest friends, and um, I'm really excited to do this episode with him. Uh, We had talked a lot about this episode with the foresight that it was going to come out on uh, April 1st. Yeah. And we talked about the idea of doing an April Fool's episode, and there was a, kind of a lot of ideas that kind of got brought up in that. I think that I know we had talked about one I, I brought up early on was doing uh, an episode on Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Yeah. And that one kind of got, uh, I think you shot that one down mostly stuff. I did. Yeah. But your reasoning was fair. I think that we felt like it was, you know, once we talked about it a little while, we feel like it, the, the, They've kind of flooded the market with... With it, yeah. Yeah. And so what was once kind of a, you know, niche, just bad film cult classic has kind of blew up over the last few years, especially with, uh, you know, the disaster artists with James Franco. Mm-hmm. And um, and while that's still an interesting topic that maybe we'll explore someday down the road, uh, we decided against it. We wanted to potentially go into that just because there's so many interesting... I. It's kind of interesting, this idea that, you know, if you listen to Tommy Wiseau talk about it, he was very, uh, I think he was very influenced by things like the uh, plays of Tennessee Williams, which is really funny because if you think about Tennessee Williams' plays, they actually kind of, it kind of makes sense that he would be inspired by that when you think about the the trajectory that The Room takes. Um, We also talked about a friend of ours uh, had the idea to do an episode on Shazam, the 1990s movie starring uh, Sinbad, mm-hmm. which uh, doesn't exist, but there's a whole you know yeah. group of people who think that it does. It's kind of that Mandela effect uh, strand of thinking, and so we talked about doing that. And then at one point we also talked about you know I think we talked about a couple other ideas, yeah. but uh, what we decided on was something that. I don't know how much this is going to play into the whole April Fool's uh, ideology. Um, I don't know how funny this episode is going to be or how wild this episode is going to be. I don't really know, but we're kind of tackling a really crazy, strange, weird, interesting film, which was actually directed by, uh, I'm pretty sure the pronunciation, what is it, Panos Cosmatos? Panos Cosmatos, yeah. If we're wrong, we'll correct it later. But yeah, basically... He's Italian, so that would be the Latin sure. Cosmato, so I'm going with Yeah, that, sound, I mean, that sounds right. That's what it looks like. So he, we're doing, uh, we decided to make the episode is, you uh, probably already assumed if you've clicked on this, on his uh, film from last year, Mandy, yeah. starring Nicolas Cage. And that was this was actually one of the first episodes we had talked about doing. When we mm-hmm. first, uh, around the time that we had, we saw the film around the time that we were... Um, 
kind of composing the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. And so this had been one of the ones we talked about doing, and we had always kind of planned to do it specifically with Will. And as fate has had it, it's landed here, and I, it's, I mean, it's such a strange movie. And we'll, we'll get into it. I don't want to go too far with it right now. It's but the, it's, it's the movie that if you're at a college party or just a random person's party that you're not at, and this movie is on in the background, you go, what the hell am yeah. I at? And that's... Yeah. It kind of is that it's movie. It's insane. And so that's the, 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 I guess the funny piece is that this was not, I should say this episode isn't a joke. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's not a joke, but it's probably going to be a departure it's from, wild. I can only imagine it be a departure from what we normally do on some level because it's a departure from film. Because it's level. fiction to rock and roll. Yeah. I don't know if, yeah. So it's fiction to function. Exactly. <laughs> fiction to rock and roll. <laughs> if you know what I mean. So. Which might be function someday. So keep this one in mind. Yeah, you, yeah, there's gonna be a dark day when yeah. you're gonna, <laughs> when you're gonna need where to, where you're gonna need to down a whole like gallon of just what is vodka. It? Well, vodka. Answer the question. Of of what about all the drugs? Yeah, and that if this film answers that question, <laughs> all the drugs question mark. So with that said, uh, our our guest here is is he's uh, you've been introduced you know briefly in the introduction here is William Eicheroth. Um Will, how did we meet? We met... It's actually a series of meeting, I would say, because initially it was like an extension of a friends group that we had before that. And me and my brother kind of had been a part of this this group. And you, you were kind of like... A different aspect of this group but like on the fringes and then suddenly we linked up on um kind of after because i was older i'm older than you right you're i'm i'm three four years older than me yeah i'm 35 so yeah i'm uh, 31 so yeah so four years older so it was kind of you were the younger of the group and there was kind of like an older Faction of it. Faction of that. Yeah, because your brother is my age. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So um, and and we had I know that kind of we cross paths a lot with uh, Jubal's older brother is kind of involved in this all this. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he was uh, he was kind of the in between your age and my age. So I was friends with him. My brother was friends with him, but at the same time, you were close enough and it kind of everything kind of bridged together right and then um yeah and among the people we've had on the podcast i think you're who we've known the longest i think so yeah yeah probably maybe oh wow you're right yeah because we've known each other that means we i mean we've known each other about 13 years now yes oh my gosh okay wild days wild ways and it's actually probably been longer than that because i knew you yeah the first, time, the first time we at all crossed paths, I was still in high school, I'm pretty yes. sure. So it's probably longer than 13 years ago. That's crazy. Which at that point, it was more just, we would cross paths. Yeah. And then... Because um, you knew someone who was hanging out someone, with, your, with your brother, yes. who was pe- hanging out with people my you kn- age. You, know of, you knew of, oh, these crazy brothers, basically. was probably your first introduction to... And you knew... To uh, each other. To the and these wild boys. Yeah. To each other, actually. Yeah. Because it was kind of like, here's yeah. the... There was the Melton brothers, and then... There's the Eichelroth brothers, was at the time that kind of group. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then it only made sense eventually. We had the uh, talk of the town. Yeah. 
And so I would come back from college and, and that group would continue. And then everybody would just kind of hang out at our house, I remember. That's right. Out, yeah, you're out in, And we were like out in the woods. And it was just like... Like in stuff Jupiter, right? Wild. In Jupiter, yeah. Not that that, I mean, that doesn't oh, mean yeah. anything for anybody who doesn't live in Florida, but it's, it's, it means they so lived out in the woods. People that know about space yeah. is. And it was. Do you, know you know what the planet Jupiter is? Have you seen Endor? Yeah. Because that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's Endor. Like, it basically, Endor. we lived in Endor. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we would just have, like, people over. That's right. Forever. And, yeah, and you guys would start coming out to those. Yep. Those, uh. Hangouts. Those hangouts, yeah. Right. So, and then, and then kind of like. As we realized, we were kind of like into the same things, into um, almost like a relationship that we haven't we on this. I mean, we've roughly talked about it, but we we are from Florida, by the way. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. I feel like that's something that the audience should know because <laughs> you know, like especially on this podcast, they should yeah, know. I get, yeah, what do you mean? Do you, mean you mean in terms of the fact of like the the. Like I mean the fact that like we're still a lot we're we're almost I'm almost thirty and you guys are thirty and we, we made, made it to this age living in Florida, living in Florida, living in Florida. So. and Florida is kind of everything yeah. like the memes are true it's wild and that's the biggest thing it's Jim, the wild west here baby. yeah it's yeah. so John Mulaney was just on um, I think Seth Meyers show yeah and he was talking about I guess uh, someone asked him. He was in Florida doing, you know, the Kid Kid Gorgeous tour, and a, a young woman who wants to be a writer for SNL approached him and was talking about. She asked him why comedians pick on Florida, and he was talking about. I usually say it's an easy target, but I think he gave the best description of it. Shane actually, um, our younger brother, sent this interview to me, where he said he he was like, uh, you wouldn't put Florida together by on purpose, like if it was a dinner party, you wouldn't say we're gonna invite. A bunch of you know we're gonna invite like all of these serial killers and then an alligator and a possum and like these like cool gay people from South Beach and <laughs> the richest people in the world not wanting to pay taxes and what do you say Cuban conservatives and he just listed this whole and he was like no one would say let's have all of them decide to dinner it yeah. doesn't make sense and we've talked and about that. Who and that's us right that's Florida yeah. I think that's why we've we've talked we talked to Shane about this a good amount or me and Shane have talked about this this a good amount which is why I think he probably sent the interview to me is the fact that it's so wild because if you are in Florida and you move a half hour in any direction you're in a different place a different than you place. were this yes. is like the really well, nice you area are, and what's fascinating is like even when I've traveled because I've done quite a uh, quite a bit in my lifetime, quite a bit of traveling, and it's like when I tell people I'm from Florida, I honestly because we were born and raised here, and it's like I didn't realize the connotation and the luggage that I'm bringing with me when I say that. Right. Like I didn't know that I was a cowboy everywhere I go. Yeah, everybody's like you were from. Now where? I will say that there is a caveat to that. It depends on how far from Florida you travel. Like in my experience, sure. okay. if it's anybody in the South. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're going to get, oh, you're from the wild place. If it's anyone from the Northeast, they know Palm Beach, or they say, oh, you're just wild boys. Yeah. It's just, you're, you, yeah. it's Mad Max. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. If you go to Europe or stuff, Disney World. That's it. Right. Everything is Disney. And that's Florida. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been there. Disney. So you live in Disney World. Yeah. So it's, there, there's, there's just so much in Florida. It's, it's chaos. It, yeah, it is, and so which I guess I mean that's. But the, the only reason I bring it up, I do feel like there's a point, which is the fact that it's like we're talking about our childhood to some extent, like being having Will on here. You know, it's funny because it's like you know, 
It's just been wild ways, wild days, baby. You mean in terms of, well, the, just the from the beginning that, to now, you know. Well, and especially when you talk about the, uh, the, the, the I guess, the episode that we're on. Because kind, kind of, of going, actually makes sense. Because going back to that, you because it actually because the film kind of takes place in a house in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere. Yes, which is basically where you lived. Yes. So you and we, I remember, and so we would go out there, and I remember it was always. I mean, there was, there was always something on fire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I remember. Is like, wasn't it your place where it was like there was this like there was an actual mark on the floor like this big old and it was because an axe can exploded there. Where you're like, oh, the axe can, the fire, someone was spraying it. Someone was using the ad, like axe body spray. In well, you guys, that was not at our house. Like, but Where you guys must at? have been there. That was at somebody's house in town, in the same town we live in. But a bunch of kids had thrown an axe can in a fire and exploded and That's like, right. broke the window out. Okay, so yeah. it's not. It was in your house, but there was your. It was that we, group. We of obviously people. were all there. Yeah, yes, okay. this group of people that we hung out with. This, <laughs> right. This was an occurrence, right. not at my house. So with that said, all right, that was kind of. Uh, that and, and obviously since we've met we've like you said we we were interested in a lot of the same things and a lot of the same things we were interested in were kind of these like I remember one of our first one of our earliest bonds being watching the Boondock Saints at your house yes and we watched the Boondock Saints at your house which I'll never forget because that's when Jubal's older brother Caleb during the toilet scene mm-hmm. he like he tapped me on the shoulder and he was like I would do this for you which is beautiful by the way because I think I had hung out with him probably like. <laughs> four times yeah, previously and that is caleb though. yeah like, and he was yeah. like he, he said he, he looked at me and he said i would do this for you and and uh but i think that that kind of is a testament to the fact that we 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 kind of we were into a lot of the same superheroes we were into a lot of the same films we were into a lot of the same books and things like that and so uh it that's i know where that that's where that connection formed um i wanted you to talk a little bit more about how your relationship with all of that, your relationship with fiction, because I know it's 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 going to be similar to ours, but also very different in areas. I think your relation to it, perhaps. Yes, I okay. would say it probably is. Uh, so as far as my relationship with fiction, um, it is more of like that Wild West kind of sense. In that my my parents growing up. Um, kind of just were like everything that was available in 1983 to 1985 right we had all of it sure um and it that but it wasn't like we were rich kids because it was kind of just like a constant like that's it we were in that point like you forever. stayed there we stayed there so they like the you- peak of 1985 but that was it right. and then like we just kind of like that was life up until we basically went away to college um so you're in the middle of nowhere. It's 1985, 1986. What do you got? You got satellite dish. And That's this right. is not this like, yeah, thing. this is not, um, you know, direct TV. This is something that looks like. It looked like it came off the Technodrome yes, from Ninja Turtles. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's kind of the sense of how the internet is now when satellite originally came out in that. Um, 18 channels. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm if if you watch if you watch Rick and Morty, it was literally intergalactic cable in the sense that you would pick up stuff and like you you have to like type in numbers on this like it was like a metal uh, uh, giant just with numbers on it right and oh, you yeah, type in yeah. go to this satellite dish, yeah. and literally you would pick satellites in space yeah. to beam channels down so you will get stuff from China you get stuff from like Canadian like all my kids shows I watched growing up and uh, I have a daughter now. 
I'm like, oh, watch this and this. And my wife's like, what is all this weird stuff? It's like, oh, this is what I grew up watching. <laughs> well, our, 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 our uh, uncle, uncle moved into a house that had satellite. And so we had yeah. some experience with that where, yeah, it was weird. Because remember, it you was, had to wait, too, for it to turn. You have to wait, yeah. And it would just be like a scrambled thing. You get, like, yeah, yeah, flashes people, of stuff from, like, other stuff. Know, it's like the satellite was the internet before the internet was Satellite the internet. was internet before the internet, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I'm kind of like the uber millennial but not right. so i'm like in this weird spot um but anyway like so it was like the wild west so like there was no like subscription fees the only subscription fee i think was disney right you know of so course it was yeah. <laughs> somehow disney way before everybody else like, we're gonna we're gonna monetize this if and there's they, a way to make money from it they'll do it they yeah. do it yeah. yeah um but besides that it was like the wild wild west of stuff so i mean we just had uh what's one like we were watching benny hill at five (laughs) you know and our parents are like very very strict like you know if they knew what we were watching they would like flip out but like they didn't know like it was they just like we got the satellite dish and they watch kids shows and it's like yeah and then we like we literally but it wasn't like oh we're gonna watch the new we're not yeah of course you're not gonna only watch that and it wasn't like this like we were like the kids are like let's watch the nudie channel no it was like Let's see everything. And so, like, me and my brother were just wild. So we would just, like, everything. Let's right. do all the things. So um, in that, we saw a lot of British comedy, tons of it. I mean, we love Comedy Central. And, like, before Comedy Central had, like, their own programming, they would take, like, international programming. So it would be, like, you know, uh, Monty Python or uh, <sighs> Strangers with Candy uh, the kids in the hall. These were all like really old like comedy stuff we would have, and it's just like the wackiest, wildest stuff. Like I would say, you know, because Canada was more libertine, I would say more back then than America was at the time. So it would be like basically Saturday Night Live from like two thousand and four right. on uh, on our cable. We'd be watching. So right. it was it was it was almost everything we would watch. So we had. Uh, we had a very wide array of, of things we would take in. And I guess it could have been, um, it could have been a bad thing, but I don't think it really did end up being a bad thing. It kind of just exposed us to a, like a lot of different forms of art and different forms of storytelling. And we were able to kind of use that to create our own stories and stuff. And so the biggest way we would do that is then we would like take these elements and take these different things and we would play with our toys and like make these big scenarios. And like 90% of the time, it would just be like the setup for the scenario and the story. And, you know, you get the whole G.I. Joe's and mixed with X-Men and this. And it's like, but you're not, you you know, you're just mixing all the toys together. Sure. And then, uh, and then it's this big elaborate plot. And by the time you're done, you're like, okay, I set the plot up and we're done. You know, the, right. the, the fun part was setting the plot up, but it was just understanding, uh, using story and storytelling to, uh, you know, kind of define elements of your own life and, and to yeah. use that to kind of, okay, this is like this and it helps you to work your way through your own problems in your life. And, and the use of, uh, storytelling and and art of of storytelling to to actually help you as an individual help you through psychological problems because how would you put context if and art is that it's like somebody who's gone through this problem before and you can kind of relate to that so they kind of taught us to do that um well yeah because I, I remember i'm glad you kind of went into that because i actually the probably the first real connection that i had with you i think um when we you and i truly like started to to form a 
a significant friendship. I think that that came through a lot of Lord of the Rings talk. Yes. And a lot of understanding the truth of what it is to walk through incredibly difficult times and um, incredibly dark circumstances in your life uh, is exemplified through specifically like the struggle, a lot of the struggle that Frodo goes through and things like that. Yes. Um, and the burden of carrying the ring. And I remember being able to talk about that stuff. And, and it, it is really funny because it's one of the, it really is probably the first, you're probably, the, you're definitely, you've definitely got to be the first adult relationship that I have outside of like my brothers. Um, that where I, I really connected uh, on a level of significant understanding of like the deeper things in life. I really do think that you're you're probably the first person who I really, really made that connection with it's so significantly. Um, we had some other friends that we made around that time, but I got closer to you before I got closer to most of them. And I think that that was one of the things that stuck with me so much. And I remember having so many conversations with you about that. And um, I think that's where a lot of this comes from. Like there's, you know, I remember... Zack Snyder's 300. I remember, like, I remember that, like, holding, like, a weird significance of us being, like, this is what it's like to, like, deal with, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know what I mean? But we kind of, I, I know we kind of really uh, resonated on those things. And the interesting thing is, too, is that your brother's somebody who, um, obviously, I've always been closer to you than I was to him. But even in, like, little conversations we'd have, he would, like, just casually bring up, oh, this is, like, in that movie. When, and this is kind of a, it's actually a, way, a, lot, a lot of the way we joke. We'll also use you know, Lord of the Rings or whether, you know, you know, I have no memory of this place or whatever it is. But we kind of like in terms of like in for humor's sake, we kind of use those those are the avenues we go through, which is why probably I mean, you mentioned Rick and Morty earlier. And it's like that's like probably the biggest like, you're wearing a Rick and Morty shirt right now. Seth, Seth <laughs> is and like that's probably like the biggest accumulation. Like if, if I could take especially you two, Seth and Will, like shake you guys up in like a, a bowl. It's, it's like this Rick. Yeah, would come out. <laughs> It makes sense, right? Well, I should, the negative... He would be a negative version of that. Rick and Morty, the show itself, is what would come out. That makes us sound... Uh, you are SEAL Team Rick. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, it's... it's. Uh, I'm going to redo that, just because I don't want to roast you guys. Like, you guys are basically a sociopath oh, you're good. from... You're good. You're good. You know, that's it. Okay. I appreciate it. You're almost bringing yes. tears to my eyes. Yes, thank you. We, we, we thoroughly appreciate that. <laughs> Um, but with that said, so I'm like, I know that that the significance piece played into it a lot as well. Yes. Um, no, I just noticed like when you brought up the Lord of the Rings, like I almost would say Lord of the Rings, but to say like, oh, that's the film we just should discuss. It's, it's almost like doing injustice because it's the books. To be honest with you, that's going to be a whole, we, we have a plan to uh, eventually, um, no pun intended, kind of tackle that mountain. And I guess that's as good a point as any to uh, segue because uh, at this point, in the podcast, usually we will ask the question, so what made you bring Mandy to the table? I feel like at this point you've answered that question. <laughs> when you take what you're talking about between, like, I grew up in this all these crazy different genres and watching all this, like, madness go on, but then also finding some Making significance sense. in it and yes. having an art, artistic standpoint and things like that. And I also know that your, your dad, like, for in terms of what your parents were into, your, your dad was into a lot of like Terminator and what was the Mad Max, right? Yeah. What were his big things? He wasn't big on like any heavy sci-fi. Forget it for my sure. dad. So my dad is more 
your Rocky. Okay. Your um, Jaws. Uh, That's a great westerns. I mean, all westerns. Though, sure. Which you know, westerns are. It's a, it's like a small leap in imagination from a western, whereas uh, Mad Max Two is a western. I would I would almost kind of oh, put it in that genre. I would say that probably both the first two probably yeah, are. Yeah, our versions of a western. Yeah, yeah, so it's like this, but he doesn't take the the imaginative leap. Uh, into too hard sci-fi sure. or what I would call hard sci-fi. Um, well, but I, he likes the elements; he just doesn't realize it almost. Sure. Well, and it, well, uh, but I think, and I think that the elements are the most important part because I think that there's still that sense of um, that epic sense of of purpose and destiny and going up and taking the responsibility and fighting the battle and whatever is still represented in all the most of the things I know that you love and everything you just listed with your dad. It's like you know, it's. That that's a heavy theme in all those films, and I think almost in a sense of like, even with Mandy, for instance. Actually, there's a great parallel with this because with Mandy, so Panos Cosmatos, his father, uh, was the director of Tombstone. What? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, dude. I had no idea. Yeah. So yeah. okay. So and just like and on I've... the record, I love. Tombstone. Yeah, yes. we're going to be doing an episode on Tombstone someday. <laughs> yeah, there will be an episode and on Tombstone. That being said, like, think of a more rock and roll western. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. That. Oh yeah. That. Well, so he was the side director, by the way, because you also know that story. Not yes. to go into it too much, because you know Kurt Russell basically took over yes. directing that. But I guess so. He started that project at the very least. Yes. Okay. So. So so. And then he took that and funded uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow with his, basically, because he, he worked on Tombstone Which with his father. Have you seen that? Beyond the Black Rainbow? Yeah. No, I haven't. I, I, and I honestly, to. like, I kind of was like, well. eh, probably should see that before yeah. this episode. Because even, I think, uh, Panos had said, like, if, if Beyond the Black Rainbow was a breathing in, uh, Mandy was a breathing out. Which and boy, awesome. is it a breathing out! Oh yeah, yeah. is it? It's it's yelling. It's out, a screaming. It's a screaming out. Yes. Yeah. So and and before we go completely into just the film, was there were there any other reasons that you wanted to mention about why you brought that film? This was your go to. I, um, I know we had started with us joking about it. Well, I remember when we first saw the trailer for it. Yeah. We were like, this is the most Will Eichelroth thing <laughs> I've ever seen, and you were just like, I think you sent me like four different links to it yeah like this is the greatest thing that's ever happened (laughs) but so i were there any other reasons you want to bring up in terms of oh absolutely like the whole um having the satellite dish and having the way i had watched everything and being um almost extreme versions of like 80 functioning add uh because of that but basically you know you never fully watch anything and and definitely anything scary we'd be like i don't want to watch that we turn it off but then you'd have this imagination of what this was in your mind and you'd be like and probably and and you know as i get older and actually watch some of these films that as a kid i'm like no i'm not watching that and you get terrified uh you know like your pet cemeteries or you know it's like as a kid this imagination and the way it would run in your mind uh and what that imagery created in your mind the nightmares that would create uh this film kind of like captures that not the films themselves because if you ever watch the films like there's much more cheesy it's almost the box art yeah of 
if you go through a blockbuster in 1990 and you're going back to like the older movie section and you're seeing the box art for uh, some of the fantasy films or or horror movies uh, in the in the in the horror and fantasy genre of that time, this is this is the box art. Like right. this is the box art, the movie or uh, the box art from any heavy metal band between 19. 19- 75 and like 1989 like this is this is the album art that they this is the imagery that they were trying to create and no one actually has created that right and this movie basically took that and turned it into like a painting worthy of putting in a museum well and it's it's great that you bring that up because one of the things i want to talk about and i think we've talked about this before is that that was exactly what he wanted i remember we heard this interview right after we saw it and it was really interesting because we were all, so many of the things when the film first ended because we watched it together we we had decidedly watched it with you we were like we need to wait until we can all get together and watch this this film and when we watched it so many of the things we were saying right after were like word for word what this director was saying his his intention was which is great because i mean that's a testimony to how well he accomplished his vision but he brought up exactly that where he said he when he was young he would look at these things and there'd be movies that he wasn't allowed to watch or things like that or even thinking about like you know you mentioned the heavy metals like you think of like iron maiden and a lot of their you know cover art and things like that and he was like i was inspired by that stuff because my brain i was so afraid of i didn't it was such a mystery to me and it was such a scary thing and then when i watched the film a lot of times it weren't as bad as i was like worried as my brain had built them up to be and he wanted to make that's exactly what he did. He wanted to make the the uh, kind of the accumulation of cha- of the chaos that he imagined it was going to be. Absolutely, um, yeah, and that's uh... and so that was one reason was to your the way you connected with that. Was there any other reason you want to bring it up before we start talking, trying to talk about this film? I I do feel like it it um, is a very artistic version of a lot of films that. I almost could have chosen to pick uh, Mad Max, obviously, um, uh, pretty much any Clint Eastwood Western or um, or Tombstone. Sure. I mean, uh, but but basically, this was a way to kind of bridge all of that and kind of like this. If- this is the artistic vision behind uh, bringing it into like as film as art he kind of put a original spin on it and uh what i would like to what i would like to call like film as art like sure. he did that like he took all of that and somehow melded it into a, a work of art while staying completely rock and roll it's Very like, so yeah so I, I so yeah it's like he he funneled all of these uh sorts of genres and and you know film uh stereotypes and things like that into a bottle i mean and the, the you, story you drank that and then you dropped acid immediately after and then that's that's the glue that holds it all together <laughs> and that's yeah. and that's mandy okay so I, at this point i'm gonna just back away for a second and let the two because you first of all a you guys watched it more recently than me did you watch it today Seth? no oh i thought you did i watched no, it last week well, no, Saturdays. you did. Okay. Yes. So because you were texting me, Seth was texting me today, and you you said There's, you you were just like, yeah. I don't know how we're gonna do this, man. This is yeah. why, and I thought that it was because you were in the middle of watching it. Oh no, no, this thing's been engraved on my soul. You know. Um. So, I think that this movie, 
so with fiction to function being the title of this oh go for it buddy <laughs> you know i think that it's something where we're not uh trying to extract a moral as much as like observation of um our existence i would say with this film okay okay i'm i'm following you so um i mean are we diving in I, we're diving in, buddy. All right. All I right. think there is a moral. I think yeah. you just. I want to hear. I think, well, let me hear. I the think you. Would you I think the reason me? that Seth does not see the function is because I think he functions at that level all the time. I think that's because he lives that moral that Mandy teaches us. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so let's talk before. Okay, because this is again like it's like how do you dive into what are you. If you haven't <laughs> seen Mandy, which I'm like, the, the, the demographic who might be listening to this, who aren't just our friends who yeah. love us, um, this episode specifically, yeah, three you have there. to be the most wild, like, uh, there's a, there's... You're a wild no, boy. Here's or something. girl. Here's what I would but say. But you're wild. You're wild. You're a wild boy or girl. It is kind of like, it's more so of like a film, it might be more along the lines of... A painting in the sense that you are looking at this there's visuals the plot honestly could be written on a napkin right and it's and it's and it's a common plot but there is a lot underneath but that might be personal interpretation yeah and it's how he executes you can see that well you can see that style and substance style is is i'm not saying styles style probably is is greater than substance in the film i think that he he clearly was trying to communicate the feeling this movie is Nostalgic for that's the big people. Thing. I kn- well that that's not the big thing. That's one of the things. Well, I think that that's a big thing because so because yeah. you know we watched this with our uh, we just over the last few months we were able to meet um, our boys. A, yeah, a friend of us named yeah. Shout out to to Hans Just in in yeah. Peru. So um, Hans and we just and we met him playing racquetball. We were just playing racquetball and he kind of walked up and he was he was in he was you know in the country for couple more weeks and we we really kind of connected Bonded and in in yeah. his fate would have it we started talking and he's uh going to film school in peru and so we really connected on a lot and so we were like well we're gonna watch this movie and you can come over and watch it and it was so funny listening to him try to be like what what are you talking what is the and that was something i was trying to explain to him i was trying to explain the ter- the even the the term nostalgia because he but he wasn't entirely familiar with um what the the that word meant and i do think that that's an important piece to this whole thing is that you can tell that his which we've already addressed is that his nostalgia and his his um imagination as it pertains to you know like you said this you know cover art from these like vhs's that he saw when he was a kid that influenced so much of it so yeah that is a piece Mm -hmm. and there is an interesting um thing to bring up that with that fact that then that kind of means that this is more of a American uh, mythos, almost that that he's created with this. Because if, yeah. if you don't have the context of Americana, it doesn't really make sense to you. That means that that would be a specific American mythos sure. uh, to yeah. this movie. So it is truly an art movie in that you know it's not going to be appealing to an international audience yeah. by design. You know, right? Um, and you do see that with foreign films a lot of times, and and that's part of the beauty of film is that you can kind of like okay i have to see through another culture's eyes and that's that's one of the beautiful things about film and storytelling so poor hans 
yeah. going, I this guess I have to see through an American's eyes to understand this. <laughs> Not poor Hans. Like, this is like, you know. This is America. Yeah, this is America, brother. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. So. Well, for one, I, I, to, for starters, I would like to know what you Me. would like to say about it. Yeah. Why do I have to go first? Because we're gonna. I'm gonna get so deep down this rabbit hole. The uh, okay. So for me, um, and I'm really trying to work through this right now in this moment. I would. The first thing that I think that I would say that I love, that I truly love, about Mandy, is uh, Nicolas Cage. And what I love about Nicolas Cage is, and specifically in Mandy. It is my assessment that this kind of meets at the crossroads of the acting styles of Nicolas Cage, which is like one, this like wild overacting that is like you can't turn away from. You got like the bees, yeah, the bees, the bees. This is the, this is that you just it's it's like entrancing. Yeah. Okay. The second being Nicolas Cage is the action hero. Mm-hmm. Because this happened a lot, right? Like, yeah. Um, the most like infamous uh, example coming kind of to my mind is him playing Cameron Poe mm-hmm. in Con Air. I, which I love. To, yeah. Is a side yeah. note. We all I love Con Air. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I could actually probably do an episode on that. But sure. so, but he, but this like you look at Nicolas Cage and you don't think like that's the guy. Like that's like with like Arnold and like Sylvester Stallone and you mm-hmm. see and you go, it's kind of ridiculous. He's like big bulky guys and you see Nicolas Cage, but he was like, there was these oh, points yeah. where he's the action dude. Snake he's eyes. the action dude. He's like the sexy man in these movies. And you're like, what are you like talking the, about? The it's Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So he's the, the cool guy. Man. He's the he's cool, cool guy. dude. You yeah, want to be, dude. he's, yeah. <laughs> which another film that I, by the way, I like it's a lot yeah. is Gone 60 Seconds. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. That was my jam. Lowrider, me. That was my jam. And so, right. Because he's not a bad-looking guy. No, 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 no. But he, he in and of himself, he is kind of this, like, enigma. Okay? (laughs) And and that's what I mean. Okay, so, again, this crossroads is, okay, the overacting that you you enjoy, the action hero. Then there is the uh, Nicolas Cage, I think, like, needs money. So he's in this movie. That's been kind of like up until oh, Mandy. That's, there's a that's lot been of recent. That's kind of when even this one is like it's funny because it's again one of those like fringe directors. And, and this is what's beautiful about this is that in this case it really worked out for him. Now I don't know if he picked this movie up because I don't think it's just because of that because I know enough of his like I think his, his personal life actually winds up so well with this. Well, and also he had a lot of intention. I know that he intentionally sought this out kind of because he was interested by it, and that's great and that makes me happy. But there's a lot of things we all know. Like it's like let's not forget that you know. Like, I don't know. I think, like, if you throw any two words together, it's probably a Nicolas Cage movie. Like, Book Cop. Let's Google Book Cop. And it's like, sorry, Nicolas Cage. Dude, and, like, even, like, he did The Nicolas, Left Behind. He did yeah. the, you know that, right? Oh, yeah. He played I, the pilot in that. The Left Behind. I did not know that. They he made, like, a big Hollywood yes. version movie of The Left Behind series, the yes. first book, and he plays the pilot. I do not remember that. But with that being said, like, he's a hustler, dude. He, he is. You can't blame him. No, that. I can't. But again, no. he's, so again, in the last bit, the he's last a hustler for the best reason possible. Yeah. In the last, plus Nicholas Cage, the last dude. piece of this crossroads. Yeah. Is and this is my favorite part, is Nicholas Cage the legitimately good actor? Matchstick Men. Adaptation. Yeah. Like those are a couple films that, was, that like I was like on a tip of my tongue the whole time. Is which like, one? Is adaptation. I love that film. Charlie Kaufman's film. Yeah. And, and he, he, if you watch that, I love that film. That's one of my favorite Charlie Kaufman films. 
because and it's Spike Jones directed it. Yeah. Um, but Charlie Kaufman wrote it, and it's such a strange, interesting, fun story, and he does such a good job in that film. I yeah. love that film. It's one of my favorites. Then again, Matchstick Man. That was that was probably one of the first times I remember being like. I, knowing that I wanted to do something significant in film, that was like that's high on those lists. Yeah. Is when I was younger watching Matchstick Men yeah. by Ridley Scott, yeah. and and uh, he's really good. He's good in that. He's yeah. really good in these films. And what I love about this is that in Mandy he acts well. It's a weird fringe project that he picked yeah. up. It's also got that like this, crazy factor, and yeah. it's he's an action leading man, and it works. Well, uh, yeah, it's from the reconnaissance. Nikonathons, yeah, like that. Yeah, there you go. No, to be honest with you, I, I don't feel like this movie could have worked with any other director or any no. other actor. No. no, this movie was like a perfect uh, correlation of the two. You know. Yes, yes. and that's and uh, and to kind of finish my what I like so much about it, and I don't know about what I get from it. I think that maybe we I can have that conversation. It, yeah. Well, what I get from it, okay. So I, I, lo- I love the Nicolas Cage piece. I also mm-hmm. really appreciate aesthetically what it tries to do and the way that it specifically connects with, like, the 80s. Like, I mean, all I can think of is, like, Roy Batty, you know, from yeah. from Blade Runner when I'm looking at these villains. Like, there's so much of that, like, that, that is so naturally woven into it. Because you see a lot of people do it and it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. way that this director wove it all together, it it's very impressive and very, very... Um, yeah, I mean, you're engrossed by it, you know. Mm-hmm. In terms of what I get from it, I think that, and and uh, you guys can feel, please feel free to feel free to pause me if maybe this will get into kind of what we all talk about. But I think the biggest thing is I think that there's this element of loss that the main character has to figure out how to work through, mm-hmm. um, and. I know that they go such like crazy ways with it, but I do think that it has to do with like uh, the the anger associated with loss. I think that that's an interesting theme in the film. Okay. The other theme that I would say is probably um, I like the idea that there's good and evil in the film, and they don't look exactly like the villains in the film. Kind of proclaim they they don't kind of they proclaim to be people of faith, um, and it's much more of like. A cult, clearly, but they're they where in which they worship the main. I can't remember the the, the main villain's name, but the, it's it's Jeremiah. 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 Yeah, so he's like the leader of this cult. But in like any cult or or like many cults, it's like there's like some like pinch of truth attached to whatever that they're trying to connect with, and they just yeah. they they twist it all. And then the 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 good guy being a guy who's wearing a Metallica shirt. Yeah. The to the way that we actually get down into what actually makes this person a good guy or this person a bad guy and actually not judging the book genuinely off its, you know, cover. Um, I think that that's an interesting kind of point piece to it. So I guess yeah. good versus yeah. evil. Yes. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? Yeah, let's just go from here. So basically, did either of you guys pick up the whole masculine positive masculine elements female elements of like almost like a perfected version of like the female represented in mandy uh the true male form represented in red and then like true toxic masculinity of um jeremiah in this did you guys pick up any of that at all 
I this is this it. is what I kind of like interpreted when I saw it. it hit me because I'm I'm again I'm all right. So, I gave you the best that I had. So this is so basically when I started to see it, like you, the movie is um, it definitely is. It's Mad Max. It's not Mad Max Fury Road, you know. And I think that's like if people want explain that. So the movie. Is very like there's literally two movies in one, or or the story absolutely almost progresses like a book where mm-hmm. the beginning kind of like the framing is a completely different pacing, and then it just like it turns it up to eleven. The first half is is it's so it's great because the first half is entirely necessary for the second. Half. Absolutely, when you watch yeah. the first half, I remember when we I first think watched. I, I this. think I said that when we watched it the first time. Yeah, and I didn't look up anything for it, but I said because of the trailer. To be honest with you, so my mindset was. This is going to be a hell yeah from beginning to end. Yeah. Right. You watch the trailer and it's like, it's going to be like this, like, just like train that is just rock and roll. Right. Which it is. Yeah. Which it is, but the second half is. Because the first half is relatively, it's actually quite slow. And Mm -hmm. that's, I I saw meaning in that even. Oh, absolutely. It's an important piece of the entire picture mm-hmm. but that's what it but that's I, what I, I said though i said it you know yes. like that the, the, they needed this first half to build the second half. oh i'm 100 it's yes. so funny because so many people that we watched it with by the way were like uh, it's so it slow so slow that you see that so often but you need to this. hate mm-hmm. these people yeah. and you need to want red to go as crazy to as do goes. what he's supposed to do right and you're supposed to realize that's what he's supposed which to is do. to eliminate the evil to eliminate the evil so what I kind of de- going back to the Mad Max. Going back that. to the Mad Max. So Mad Max is not. If you're a fan of the Mad Max films, you understand. Like Max is not this guy who's like seeking out to be the hero. He's not looking for glory. He's literally just a guy that is there, and he's doing what he's doing when he's there. Right. Extremely masculine, and it's masculine in a sense of like this is a positive masculine sense. He's a man. He is not trying to seek self-glory. He's not so he's self-sacrificial almost in a sense, but at the same time, he is not going to be taken advantage of. He is not passive at all. You know, we're literally talking Mad Max. Mad Max is not a passive person. No, he's not right. a passive movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you know, so in the beginning of the movie, you start out. Red is a lumberjack, an extremely masculine role, you know, a traditionally mm-hmm. stereotypical. masculine role, stereotypical masculine yeah. role. Mm-hmm. And and, it's, and, he's, and he's destructive, but he's not the person driving the destruction of nature and stuff like that. But yet at the same time, he lives with Mandy, who is kind of like in nature, lives out in the woods with... with is a general like environmentalist feel. It has an environmentalist feel, but it's not expressed in the film. So I mean, we don't want to insist upon oh she's an environmentalist, sure. but at the same time, but she's obviously attached artistically to in the picture. It, 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 beyond that, she's attached to art. She's attached is, to art yes, and creation. She, she and is beauty. an artist. Yes, um, you know what I mean, she's soft. Yeah, but at the same time, somebody she's who, gentle. Um, Finds and I don't, depth in things like she's reading this book that uh, what is it the serpent's eye yes something like that. finds depth but these things that she's into even though she's a very soft um, mm-hmm. and expressively like uh, very deep. very feminine very feminine very deep but very deep very strong very um, individualistic and and mentally like both of them are extremely well mentally well adjusted yeah you notice that 
Um, there's even a balance the, there. There's a balance between the two. It's yeah, yin and yang, baby. there's almost a yeah. yin and yang that that they represent. Whereas mm-hmm. red is this kind of like subdued chaos, mm-hmm. but not trapped chaos. Um, right. Yeah. So he is destructive, but it means to an end. Even their house, I feel, was representative of like this, like beauty in chaos. Yeah. You know, it's like this this crazy house with like a million windows, but it's beautiful. Yep. You know, her art is beautiful. Her art is in there, and yeah. they kind of complete each other. And if they were on their own, it could be completely destructive. So what I kind of gathered with that is like, this is the ideal relationship, man and woman. Between the masculine force and the feminine force. Between the masculine mm-hmm. force and a feminine force. And both of them are complete in and of themselves, but they can kind of like, they can go towards a extreme if they didn't balance each other out. And I think I kind of gathered this... Um, this is this is this is almost like this divine relationship almost that that was representative of what they had mm-hmm. they they filled every gap i could see that yeah and then you have this form of jeremiah comes in so he's basically not sure of himself he's self-doubting he is completely self-absorbed self-obsessed demands worship from his individuals manipulates drugs the members of his cult, um, basically just just seeking total domination and control because he's so terrified that if he isn't in complete domination of other people, that that he is alone and that he is he is not worthy of these things. So he sees uh, this divine or 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 perfect representation of the female form and says, "This is mine." And literally in a movie, it even says. God told me in my hallucinations that everything is mine. And it's literally the allegorical uh, sense of the complete self-absorbed ego of the male uh, Jeremiah represents. And basically the way that goes about getting what it wants. And it basically just steals everything from everybody. And and takes... Destructive. Destructive. aggressive. Aggressive. But destructive in the sense of a weak destructiveness. Right. Like there's an extreme weakness there about him that at the same time it's terrifying. It's it's also, it is laughable. You know, there's that scene where Mandy laughs at him when he comes before her and like, here's my divine being. And, it, and it's, it's meant to be laughable. Like the scene is almost, um, it is a powerful scene, but at the same time, like it's goofy. Right. You know, he has this thing of like, this is my music and this is the thing. It's like if you met this person in real life, you're like, this guy's a goober. And at the same time, terrifying. Right. Um, and it's all the negative aspects of of the masculine. Whereas with Red, he's, he's stoic but soft when he's with Mandy because it's that, that sense of uh, almost the – and it says the primordial forest – but that primordial male of he's the wild man, but he is now balanced by the woman. Yeah. And there's not a sense of entitlement to his entire being. No. Like, he just accepts the gift of Mandy, who represents the feminine's love freely, but doesn't demand it, doesn't insist upon it, appreciates it, uh, observes it, uh, enjoys what she represents, and, and they just accept each other's love. Right. And he's not insisting upon her saying this is mine or, or being um, uh, controlling over it. And then and then the second act of the movie, which represents what happens when 
the female, which is the balancing force, is removed from that equation, what is the ultimate male? I mean, I think there are examples where this could be represented in a male or a female Absolutely. individual. Um, but these are masculine, traditionally attributed with society and I think and so now that's been loosed and that destruction comes out but he hones it for a purpose that is a good purpose honestly in the end which is you need to eliminate this negative force in the universe right and I do uh, appreciate this art form that he kind of or this story that he kind of brought in where he is showing there is a positive masculine in this story it's not just a negative masculine you don't see that a ton of times or at least not Defined side by side where you can compare it like this is the negative aspect of a masculine and this is a, a, a positive aspect of masculine. And I mean, it's destructive. I mean, self-destructive. He basically burns himself as a living effigy. That's what the, you know, there's the one scene. And uh, I think some people are like, this is a terrible scene. I think it's an awesome scene where he literally like the, the alcohol drinking scene in the bathroom. Yeah. And he just literally goes through the gamut of human emotions. I mean, it's it's a good acting scene i think sure like yeah i think yeah. it's great yeah and and it's he's basically from that point on i mean you have he's doing every single drug he's doing everything he like at the i think after he destroys the demons or biker gang whatever I, I they actually probably are probably demons probably demons probably sense. both honestly like I, I don't think it really matters as much but basically as he's destroying like there's a point where he just like walks off a roof you know it doesn't even like basically he does not care about anything about his own well-being he is basically an effigy at that point to honor the feminine that was taken from him and destroyed and i do think there's some truth in that of the masculine kind of like to define the feminine without it it's, it is a destructive force but it could be a positive destructive force yeah and that's kind of what i gathered a lot in the film yeah okay so i don't know how familiar you guys are with gnosticism which is the rabbit hole we're about to dive into but i'm not claiming to be an expert on this um i'm just a man you know and i'm just a man that looked into it upon the wikipedias so uh but i would recommend everyone else look upon the wikipedias for it as well because it's some interesting stuff okay right so gnosticism for one its origins are very like unclear like no one really knows the true elements of what makes gnosticism exist and there's not like a, a clear doctrine and that's very much so so the case because of the fact that it's like super spiritual it's like you know and it's a, it, so and what it rooted from is like this like deviation from the christian faith okay uh to the point where it's funny because like the christians like see that like they, they were like uh like you guys are like this is heresy we despise you guys and the problem is is that you had the christians being responsible for transcribing who the Gnostics are. Like so the history of it? The history Any, of it, who they are. Yeah, so they're like, man, these guys are out there eating babies and they're <laughs> they're they're out there, you know, like like touching their grandma and stuff like that, you right. know, and like 
all kinds of, like crazy stuff, like bad stuff. By right. the way, like you go just go look it up. Sure, you know, stuff I'm probably not going to be saying on on this podcast. Sure, um, but uh, so you had them writing writing about the Gnostics and and, and explaining it. So that's because so uh, to be fair, it was definitely a one sided argument from that side of it. Sure. On the flip side, um, and then I I believe it got to the point where like the Roman Empire as well as like the Christians like went on like a crusade to like eliminate these guys as well. They were like, okay, enough. You guys right. are get you guys are getting too far out there. So now I'm, I'll, I'll go into like the uh, core beliefs of like the Gnostics and, and uh, because that's even when you're watching the movie, man, this is like the Christian faith gone wrong. But what it, it's funny because they, the Gnostics pretty much made it like, like, Christian fan fiction, you know, and uh, well, yeah, because if you if you take a look at the what is the, what is the name of this cult again? The New Dawn. So if you look at these guys and, and you know anything about these uh, the beliefs of this the, these faith systems, <clears throat> you you take a look at their and, and it, they, they've got some of this the, the religious imagery that you would like uh, naturally kind of assume would be Christian, and then right. you hear it, that it's like half this like ninety. Five percent of the things that they say, if not a hundred, and you're like, this it does it's so off base. It's and so this warped. is kind of from Everything that. Is like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like fan fiction. Really yeah, there's, there's like a few, a few people got like too ahead of themselves in the spiritual realm, right? You, one would may say, and and they uh, maybe they did some drugs. I don't know. Sure, I don't know. And eat, ate some mushrooms. Shit like I mean, that. yeah, there's a lot of tribal and and even like some established society but especially shamanic traditions involve psychedelics and i do yeah. think that I, this movie if anything insists upon that point oh yeah but yeah sure yeah so these guys like yeah that's, that's what these guys were about and what they are about on that note is that i, I believe one of the or the, probably the biggest core belief is that all material all matter is evil so like the material like, world Material Nature. world, your body, everything, all everything of that, you know, all matter is evil. And the spiritual realm is completely good, all of it, you know. Um, so it's like a perfect soul stuck in a uh, evil body. Okay. So it's like okay. They believe the soul is inherently good. Yeah. Okay. But the body, but the body is evil. Um, that is pretty much, I would say from my assessment, uh, where these two, uh, pretty much where they end. Between the Christian faith and Gnosticism? Right. Yeah. You mean the, which part? You mean the fact that there's, our soul is trapped in an imperfect body? Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But it's, so that's about the it's only... an extreme version even of that. To sure. My, uh, oh, absolutely. To my understanding. So then um, you're saying that's the only real tenet that links with Christianity? Yeah. That and like, from, the, is there one God? Yeah. Yeah, there's they, they believe in like one God, one ultimate God that like no one can even like remotely understand or touch, especially us humans because we're so like removed from them. And there's a bunch of like uh, demigods that he, uh, I believe, called aeons. He has like aeons that he created, and they created different things. And and there's uh, they're in the the ultimate God. I believe his name is uh, Monad, and uh, he created the spirit and the spiritual realm and all that. Uh, and then one of the demigods is uh, 
I believe it's Demiurge, um, who created the material world. And, uh, and these people profess to be part of the Christian faith? Well, the thing is, what, yes, yeah. They, ne- they, never, wild. they never even consider themselves um, Something separate. a separate religion. No, that was what was so messy about it. And that's why, and to be fair, it's like if, uh, you know, anybody that's a part of any group, which is everybody, you know, sure. like, it's like if someone is like, we're the same, and then they believe something totally different. Which well, it kind is, of is, actually, the movie yeah. like that. It's like, you know, this the, he's got this imagery and stuff, uh, Jeremiah, like the Christian stuff, and then it's like these total narcissists, insane person who's basically justifying everything everything does yeah well even this like there's this idea like you said that there's that there would be um according to the christian faith god would have created the material world as part well initially it would be in conjunction with the spiritual realm it was kind of one and the same and then there's a separation whereas in this the this one god is a separate entity who hovers above all is that right yeah and then he created demigods oh, so these lesser gods yeah and then they it trickles down into like the material one of them world. happens to make a mistake in creating the material world and that the whole material world is a mistake okay. well and you touched on something that's also interesting i believe with them which is the fact that like they don't believe in sin okay and they don't believe in like uh good even really so it's like knowledge versus uh ignorance so ignorance would be sin so if you're sinful really you're just ignorant to the truth and morality equals knowledge knowledge which is why jeremiah was like this god among men because he was the all-knowing you know what i mean which is another huge deviation i believe to the christian faith Um, and so why do you and and you assign gnosticism specifically to jeremiah because of well uh so there's this there's this other motherfucker named um abraxas okay in the Gnostic belief system. In the Gnostic belief system. And, and uh, Abraxas. Now, Abraxas is probably, like, the most fascinating part of all of this. Because, like, you could, like, his first origin. He was, like, this guy with, like, he has, like, a cock head. And he has, like, these, like, he, he has, like, these, like, uh, snake legs, dude. Okay. And he has a whip. And, like, and, and it's, like, found on, like, Greek uh, coins from, like, and is he an aeon or is he no no so he's he's who the uh, gnostics believe is the embodiment of god he's like he's like the all-knowing like they, their savior almost he is god he is I, I i that's what's so tricky about it is i'm like i don't know from what i found and our listeners can help me on this journey but is like i don't know if he's monad but he's who they believe is like He's more powerful to, than the Christian God, and he's more powerful than like Lucifer, and like because he's able to take realities and like meld them. Okay. He's, he's able to like take like opposites and and make them become one, which is impossible, right? So you sure. can comprehend, but it, that's what he can do. And so he so represents powerful. all all the entire spiritual realm. Then is it like and that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. he's just he's just the um, he's he's just the big wig okay. of it all. He's just he's, so it's almost like a cosmic horror level. This is a beyond. Oh yeah. beyonds. Yeah, yeah. But with that being said, like I mean, I already touched on this, but he, I mean, his creation uh, is very vague. Um, he's considered like a god, so like the Gnostics, and then like but the um, the Catholics, I believe, like considered him a demon. They like. To, they were like, I oh, know this guy's a demon, right. you know, mm-hmm. and he's like the king of serpents. Okay, that's what they call him. Okay, and then, um, and then, uh, yeah, and then, well, and I believe like 
he's like the archon to the great archon is what uh, like Gnostics call him. Okay, so so that that's who Abraxas is. And uh, so when he mentioned Abraxas, no, that Carl Jung also mentioned that in uh, his one book, the uh, Seven Sermons of the Dead. Yeah, 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 and that's where like he mentions that, that the what I mentioned earlier about him like being able to like make opposites into one and stuff like that. This is a fictional story. Do that with Carl. Carl Young, Young it's know, like man. saying fictional and non-fictional. That's okay. He used. You could have a whole for fiction to function. You can have a whole episode on that because it's all visual constructs of the brain. To okay. Discover yourself. Um, so the level to which Carl Young <laughs> believed in what he was writing here is it, is vague. Is vague. It was not saying that this is a. I do. I do not believe that that was his belief. Probably it's more so. It was used as a construct for. Yeah, it was probably some like, a psychological thing. Like, right, his stuff is just so layered. That, right. You know, you can't even begin to know. I mean, you could, but it'd take years. But anyways, ultimately, Abraxas is the ultimate. Um, great archon and the chief of like the 365 spheres okay okay so that's 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 who this guy is um right so how does all of this tie into uh mandy is what everyone by this point i would imagine right is uh wondering and what how like but when uh jeremiah has his like right hand man the guy like the bald guy um he has him uh, use the the horn of Abraxas to summon the uh, Black Skulls. Okay. Which, I mean, that's really where it lies, but it's like, that's a big deal. So it becomes a clue, kind of, to the belief structure of this that, cult. Of to this my group. understanding, is, or to, from my assessment of it, is like, you can totally see... There's that parallel. That parallel. Sudden, and then like, once okay. you start looking through it that way... Well, yeah, when you see it, 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 it really does provide sort of a key to understanding their entire ideology because yeah. then when you take everything that you're explaining about the Gnostics and you apply that to the words Jeremiah says, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about how he says that he's... He, oh, like, like at the end, just thinking about it now, it's coming to me. You know, that final confrontation between Red and Jeremiah... The first thing he says, he goes, you know, when he says, um, you, you are nothing, you're an animal, you're yeah. like just this physical thing, you have no soul. It's yeah. Literally, he says these things, that's very not, that would, that lines up exactly with what you're saying. So basically, yeah. he's saying like, you're this physical thing, to which Ray replies, uh, where he's like, the, the mystic swims in the same uh, waters that the, the psychotic drowns, and he goes, I'm swimming, you're drowning. Yeah. And so basically he's saying, like, you think you know everything and you think you have all this, like, knowledge and you're just so self-absorbed and you have completely, you're like, you're drowning. Yeah. You're falling in this. And and basically, I think, uh, yeah, like, there and there is that kind of now, that duality, yeah. that red is the physical material now with everything going on, now that he's been unleashed of what well, he's supposed to be. Like, yeah. he's that meld of the physical with, this, with the spiritual. Yeah. And that's... And the movie is saying, like, this is the right way. Which is just rock and roll, man. Which is because, rock and roll, yeah. Because, like, what's so cool for me about this movie um, is the fact that, like, it's very, for one, it's very, like, Lovecraftian just in the cosmic uh, realm aspect of it all. You know what I mean? Like, you can't talk about this movie without, like, 
like given mentioning some, cosmic horror well cosmic horror and like the spiritual realm whatever that may look like you know what i mean it's it's like uh and you don't know where it all fits in like for instance what are the what are the blacks i mean they're demons but they're not but they're, hu- but they're people human. Yeah. but like he hits he one with, with a an cre- axe he kills it with an axe but he also hits one with a car and a car flips yeah like right or, like, so like, what is what are they what are they and, and, and it is that element of like a cosmic horror of like this great other that like well, what's, everyone else just is terrified and this red's reaction yeah. is no i'm gonna kill that thing it's, yeah it's badass no man it's cool and and um and i think that it's something where even like him like taking the i love like when he like takes like the drugs like the black that black LSD the, stuff, yeah. Because I think that that almost is like this, like key to like the other dimension. You know what I mean? Like he's passed through a gateway at yeah. that juncture. Yeah. Well, he's able to now, right? Because like all of these other guys are taking this stuff and like, but they're using it for their own self. Well, enjoy- like, I think some for their enjoyment. Yeah, Jeremiah certainly to inf- like to have ma- manipulation over. He's literally taking it to just. I need to get there. He's following them through the portal. Well, yeah. and to get back to like this idea that like after you take this, like, and you get like exposed to the cosmic realm you can a, a human can only take so much so then you turn into um that experience can only turn you into uh like a demon or uh a god you know what i mean and like so like you get sent back when you come back like you're either one of two of these forces that are gonna like be going head to head and that's just i mean it's rock and roll man yeah, you know I mean, it's like that's it's that's very like metal. Most, yeah, it's yeah. very. I mean, it, it's I, it's a. I mean, the soundtrack's phenomenal. The yeah. progressive rock uh, soundtrack, but I mean, that's that's a very metal concept of, you know, you're not necessarily even like what side you're on, but like the battle's pretty badass, and that's kind of all that matters. So yeah, yeah, just rock. Well, and, and I think I think the bottom. I mean, so funny enough, I'm like I'm not trying to make like a. I don't know. I don't, I don't really think I'm trying. To, I'm not stretching here to make a meaning from it, but I will say, uh, you know, I think that it's fair to say you have, everyone has emotions. And what are emotions other than at least a representation of some sort of spiritual thing? You know what I mean? Because it's like a lot of times your emotions don't even make sense. What's interesting is like you can live in the woods, but like, you might not want to deal with uh, emotions, or I would say in this movie, like you don't want to deal with the spiritual. You're done right. with it. You know what I mean? Like you're in the forest, you're, you're excluded from it, and you're you're doing good without it. But it'll it'll deal with you eventually. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I like that. And what are you gonna do when it deals with you? You know what I mean? You gonna build an axe and go, go, to, go town. to town, baby? Or you know, or are you you gonna sit there and and maybe you're gonna sit there and cry and drink a bottle of vodka first. for a little bit, <laughs> first, yeah, and, and, and then Cheddar Goblin, and Cheddar know, Goblin, and to further that thought process where it's like it's gonna deal with you, um, you know what I mean? I think the biggest thing is it's like I would say is it's easy for people to be pretty like neutral in life, but it's like something that we can't, any of us can never understand or fathom is like evil. Why does it exist and like? what like you know whether it be turn on the news like in a week and right you know see what's reported or you know and you kind of or in your life like things like that happen and like it just it, i think it's very confusing and and um 
can get difficult. So it's like you can be opposed to the idea of like working on yourself in a deep way like that. But it's like, that's what I mean by like, it'll deal with you. Like, I mean, like, you know, there will come a point in everyone's life where like evil will find you. What are you going to do about that? You know, are you going to be prepared? I mean, what I mean by that even is like emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, you know what I mean? Uh, I do think one of the interesting things is is Red, at least in the beginning of the movie, does not present himself as somebody who is physically, emotionally. Yeah, he's kind of comes off as like I think with the relationship they they fill each other's gaps, but they are both broken people that yeah. are okay with this. Yeah, but at the same time, when he's faced with that evil, uh, his reaction is not to cower or not to like retreat or not to like just mourn yeah he does mourn but he mourns in a way that it's an action yeah and it's an action against a cosmic basically you know this is kind of in the realm of the cosmic evil. horror crazy evil yeah like yeah. it says and his reaction is no like something must be done with this because that's what needs to be done yeah and he just becomes like a force of nature at that point yeah which is awesome you know and i think that that's i think that that's i think that's an inspiration you know um it's certainly the feeling you get from like the Mad Max or like especially some of the spaghetti Western Clint Eastwood movies, you yeah. know, of like something horrific has happened, ununderstandable. Well, horrific. and let it, and let, let it, let me even make this clear. By the way, I don't think it's wrong that they're living out in the woods and enjoying their life. I think right. that is beautiful. Yeah, I and think they that they was set that up very well. I mean, I think we've already touched on this, but I love that this movie is like two parts. You know, it's like you have the first part, which is like this peaceful like it's like a dream and the second part's like a nightmare but it's like you know well, the idea of you know, and kind of what bad, i think so bad correct me if i'm wrong but what you're what you're presenting is this idea that uh like you said there's nothing wrong with that um but there are great evils and there is good in the world there yeah. are greater forces at play um, so to speak, there seems to be. There seems to be greater, yeah. yeah. And so and there at least seems to be evil. Yeah. And so the I mean. question kind of becomes, uh, I guess, what do you make of that? What do you make of that? And like, well, yeah, I mean, and and I don't. I think that's different for everybody. And what's the response you know, to that? What's your response to that? Which you know, and I think that, uh, you know, this movie, this movie's fun and this movie's awesome. You know, but I'm like, it, it also like due to the fact that it has like the cosmic horror aspect of it and almost in the worst way where it's like this man's wife gets taken from it's awful you know it's like from these insane you know cult religious cult group you know this religious cult group it's 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 terrible you know um so i love that he taps into that like cosmic horror and then like you know he, and so he it's like it as a weapon he well, like so it's combines like, it with grief somehow he combines grief rage and and but but like a like a kind of like a justifiable um uh anger at this yeah. and then basically directs essentially the abyss yeah at a as a force to yeah. destroy things yeah well, and that's what's cool is that it's, are, that it's, are, it's not as much like a revenge story as like a like uh transformation or transformation story or like a, yeah in from like a man to force yeah of nature you know what i mean and i'm like that's just rock and roll yeah i don't know what else you want you know you yeah can, you can ask me seth you'd be like seth yo what is this movie 
and I, I'm gonna have to tell you it's rock and roll. Well, and you know, in, yeah, and to your core, your bones to the well, which it is like that's like what I think there's, heart, a, there's a quote know? that talks about that at the very beginning. There's a like that's yeah, a quote that I says don't exactly what it is. There's a quote exactly that says almost exactly that yeah. where it's like something like, I don't know when I die, rock and roll, baby. It's like crazy. It's it's yeah. it's an interesting, but I think that at the end of the day, it's this idea where, and obviously we're not talking about from like a literal stance, whether it's like with these like demon biker guys or like the mag- we are or the magical we don't know well yeah. maybe if well, you do the... enough lsd no no no, no, no. that's exactly what i'm getting at <laughs> yeah maybe if you do enough yeah, lsd that's the april fool's piece though but it's like honestly it's like obviously we're not well of course there's zero you know advocating doing lsd but then also there's like this we're not Sean. talking about this we're not talking about this like literal we're not talking about this literal axe we're not talking about this literal these literal like biker game demon monsters or whatever but yeah. the, but the question kind of becomes what do you do when you, well, you it's it, it's it's almost it like it doesn't even have to be a person like it could be a thing it could be a cancer well it almost it reminds me this is going to sound like horrific a, things a weird stretch life. to make kind of but is when you kind of think of like on, on a level it's almost like mythology it's almost like you know what i mean it's almost like a modern mythology where you're kind of talking about uh taking this spiritual journey into looking this darkness that exists in the face yeah and so while it might not look literally like forging a um i don't know alien battle axe yeah. whatever he you know what i mean unfortunately maybe it doesn't look necessarily like this physical manifestation of that but it yeah, does sure. there is a level where you're going to be faced with these these elements of the world that you have to confront and i guess in this film it says we're going to call it what it is in which in this case is crazy evil which is literally what they could describe it as in a movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I guess in ending it out for me, like you know, I, I, I this movie, uh, I love this movie. I'm happy you picked this movie. I'm happy we talked about this movie, and I'm ho- happy that it. I hope people see this movie because of this podcast, specifically this one, because I feel like this one kind of got like swept under the rug. You know, I don't feel like a lot of people right. focused on it for some reason. Um, I mean, everyone that sees it loves it. Uh, but it's not getting like the notoriety as it should, maybe. Um, and I do think movies like this should because it's definitely doing something unique. It's unique. It's a it's very original. unique, different yeah. way of, of storytelling. I will say that, despite it's, it being so nostalgic, you know. Yeah, based in that nostalgia, right? Yeah, right. Um, well, and I guess with all that, uh, what do you all take from the ending? Um, I've kind of gone so many places with the ending, but for me, what it finally kind of comes down to is kind of like this um, abstract idea of that he's kind of at that point, he's transcended. So now he sees Mandy at the end, and he's he's almost kind of complete and even though like she's missing like you know it's that thing of like you know she's always with him but in a sense of like at this point he kind of sees the world as it is like he's defeated the the great evil of his life you know the uh, you know some psychologists will say like that dragon thing of like you know everything you were fearing and everything when you were defeated now you're on this other plane and like and then all of a sudden he's driving through like literally like another literally another world like the landscape has now completely morphed for him uh you know he sees mandy in a car you you flash back to him his appearance is completely different from the beginning like he's just got like this wild look on his like the thing is insane but i don't think it's like a negative thing i think it literally he he now lives in that realm of the mythos he's kind of peeked behind the veil 
Yeah, or and now or he lives behind he lives the veil behind now, the veil, right. and he's he is now he's a mythic creature in and of himself. Like if like, he was to be he in is another the movie, cosmic ghost rider. Yeah, kind of like yeah. this is what the Nicolas Cage. This is the Nicolas Cage, Cage cosmic ghost rider story of yeah. like because at this point there's there's this the movie almost could be like some kind of like superhero origin movie because at this point where is he going to go from here? Yeah. Like with that story of that kind of transformation, like where is he from here? It's like this is the story of how like a very normal type of person yeah becomes something more like he would be the myth and then someone else's story at this point yeah that would enter in um and that's kind of what i took from that i don't know well and i guess uh that's as good a place as any to to land this plane um as always we appreciate you all listening uh, we hope that I hope that if you happen to have listened to this through without having seen this movie, this is one of those rare cases where I don't know the that any spoilers that took place in this episode will impact your viewing of this your film. experience. No, least, because yeah. it's 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 a wild ride, a wild, wild. Um, and uh, I would suggest seeing it. It's it's again it's buck wild, but yeah. I will tell you that. Uh, I don't know. I was I was glad to be able to be here with you guys and, and talk about what kind of uh, lessons you can take from it. Because, like I said, I know we talked about very very early on in the series of this podcast. We knew we'd be doing an uh, interview with you, Will, and I knew we talked about. And I, again, I think this came kind of came up as a joke, but also definitely not of like we're going to do Mandy. Oh, this will be great because at the time we were talking about doing films that were coming out at the time, and this was about yeah. when when Mandy came out. And as it's happened, I do think it's really cool to hear that there's stuff that can be. Uh, gotten from it and it's interesting because initially we, I know we talked about this being an April Fool's episode and in a way it's like this wound up being one of the <laughs> the more uh, daunting mountains we had to climb yeah because there's a lot of it's it's wild and there's it's a lot to be tools yeah. yeah there's it's 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 epic in in a uh, very grandiose sense of the word and so um, in a way I guess we've we April Fools ourselves and on both because because it's like you know and I I can entirely see how someone could watch this and think that the episode itself is a joke, <laughs> and I guess that's up to your interpretation. That's, that's your life. That's who you want to be. Right. So. But uh, again, thank you for listening. Um, we hope that you'll like, subscribe, tell your friends, you know, uh, and watch Mandy. Watch Mandy. Watch Mandy. We'll talk to you next time. So, happy April Fools. Happy. This is going to be the worst episode for me to edit. We can, we can fix it. We can't sure. fix it. You have to remember. You need to make it like a really short episode. No. Dude, it's two hours and four, four well, minutes no, right we're, now. Well, no. We're too far. This is, we have to see this thing through. This is like Jaws. This is the I third act of Jaws.